Hey everybody, this is Rick, the founder of Real People USA, and it's um, Friday, February 26th, and Real People USA is about real people, and we have three goals on the Real People USA podcast. The first goal is to help GOP politicians bring a stronger message uh, with regard to uh, how business owners feel about uh, issues they face in America. The second thing that we do, we like to give a platform for people on both sides. So if you're a left-wing person and you want to come on the, the, the podcast and talk, we will have some questions for you. If you are a right-wing person and you want to come on the podcast, we'll have some questions for you. We do have a level of decency on the Real People USA podcast, so some topics are off limits. But I can't think of any GOP topics that might be off limits. And I'm mainly speaking right now about the lefties and how far they can go left. But anyway, I'll let you know if the topic is not um, able to be talked about on the Real People USA uh, podcast. And the last thing that we promote is free enterprise, capitalism, small business ownership. And we like to, to showcase people who are doing it out there uh, startups. Uh, we just recently had a startup out of uh, Georgia, uh, Liberty Water USA. His name was Bryant Maud. So we do promote uh, capitalism, free enterprise, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if you want to be on the Real People USA show, please email me your topic. And you can email me at rpusa at protonmail.com. And I will call you back. Uh, please leave a number. Today's podcast episode is paying a tribute to the late Rush Limbaugh. That's right. Rush Limbaugh. And, and I'm a black guy paying tribute to the late Rush Limbaugh. Now, I don't know how people feel about uh, Rush Limbaugh. If you're listening to this Real People USA podcast and, you're, and you are a repeat listener, I think I already know. Uh, some people may say, why is a black man talking about Rush Limbaugh? Because on the other side of the political spectrum, Rush Limbaugh was not liked. And I would say primarily because he told the truth about some things that many people were thinking, even on the left, some people were thinking this. And he said some things that people were already thinking and were afraid to say it or didn't know that everybody else was thinking the same thing. So I just want to pay tribute to Rush Limbaugh as a black man here in, the, in America, um, here in California, born in the South, married with three boys, all with college educations. So let me tell you my quick story of where I grew up and, and how I got to this point of liking Rush Limbaugh. Where I grew up in Florida, and I grew up with grandparents where my, my mother and father could not raise me because my mom was a drug addict, a heroin addict, and my father was a drug dealer. And my father gave the drugs to my mother. So this is like in the, uh, the late 60s, early 70s, when uh, I saw these things happening in my household. So when my, when my mother got out of jail for giving a guy a heroin overdose, 
This is down in, in, in South Florida. She decided she wanted to be a mother. And so, so for the very first time about the age of 11, I was living with my mother. And it took me a long time to call her mom because I had never seen her that much other than sometimes she would pop in at grandma's house to say hello or take me out on a Sunday drive to deliver drugs in St. Petersburg, Florida. So when my mother decided to be a mom when I was the, at the age of 11, that didn't last long. It, it, was, it, would, it lasted for about maybe a year and a half. But unfortunately, after she got out of jail and she, and she was a mom, she slipped right back into the drug routine. Uh, not This time, not with my dad, but with other drug dealers there in, in, on the Gulf Coast. And I saw some things that a teenager should never see. I'm talking about drug deals done in the house. I'm talking about four to five grown-ass adults around the age of in their 30s. I'm not talking about little teens and and some of the stuff you see going on now with these teenagers wanting to be gangsters. I'm talking about grown individuals in their in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s doing heroin in my house, in my mother's house when I was a teenager. I've seen guns drawn in my house over disputes over money and and heroin uh, that was missing. I've driven a drug dealer's car at 14 years old, not knowing that I needed a license to drive. So when my drug dealing, um, you know, mom's friends would, would uh, meet in the house, one of the drug dealers would give me his stretch, uh, deuce and a half or deuce and a quarter and say, hey, go up and get some chicken at the chicken shack, keep the change, it would give me a hundred dollar bill and the food would only cost about $6 and I would have 90, about $94 in change and I'm driving past the local police department in a drug dealer's car and the, and the cops, they know damn well that that's the drug dealer's car. And they also know that I was not old enough to have a license to be driving a stretch, uh, you know, car, a, a Electra 225, a Cadillac, deuce and a half or whatever it was, gold <laughs> with, uh, with white, with, uh, with tires, with the, um, with the white, uh, uh, going around the tires. I mean, I stuck out like a sore thumb, but I didn't know that I needed to have a driver's license. So fast forward, mom eventually passed away when I was 16 from drug use. It was connected with, with AIDS. And uh, so I ended up living with an uncle in Florida. Fast forward, you know, ended up working for a Jewish guy there in Florida. He hired me as an assistant manager at age 17 paid my cab fare from high school to the restaurant since I only had one class in my senior year because I was, believe it or not folks, I was a straight A student even though I was going through much hell in six, from sixth grade to high school. Well, let's say sixth grade to almost the 10th grade, I was going through hell, living in the hood, having power, having the power turned off at the house, having the water turned off, Having, you know, seeing my mom on the corner like a prostitute. So by the time I was 17 years old, I was very mature, probably much more mature than everyone else that was my age. So fast forward to graduate from high school was the 
uh, president of the Future Business Leaders of America, joined the military, spent six years in the military active duty, another four years in a combat unit in the military, then finally got out of the military and started a corporate job with an economics degree I was working on uh, here in San Francisco. So it was then I was starting corporate America. I was probably two or three years into corporate America. And it was around 1992-1993 where I connected with these guys in the Amway business here in California and was working the business. Matter of fact, I love that business. It, it really helped me be the person that I am today as far as business. So one of the uh, Amway Diamonds said, hey, Rick, uh, do you want to meet somebody who's really cool, who's talking about, you know, capitalism and and doing your own thing and being an entrepreneur? I said, sure. So we went to the Heritage Inn in Roseville, California. That's right outside of Sacramento. And there was this guy. His name was Rush Limbaugh. And I, I really didn't know who he was. I barely heard of his name. I wasn't a talk radio fan. But I listened to this guy and for about maybe 30 minutes he was there. He basically said, you know, young man, I think I was in my, I think I had just turned 30. He said, young man, whatever you're doing, just, just make sure you do it well, regardless if you're selling a Mercedes Benz or a box of soap, you know, work hard at it. It's going to help you have some skills that'll be lifelong skills as you continue to be an entrepreneur and continue to be, um, you know, work in corporate America. And he was right because I had a great corporate America career that lasted about 10 years and ended up being a, a, a director of sales at a Fortune 500 company in Los Angeles with offices all throughout uh, California. My, my office was in Sacramento, but the HQ was in Los Angeles and Rush was, was right. So Rush Limbaugh, I would say, he made um, a great initial impact on me because he didn't say white guy do well. He didn't say black guy do well. He didn't say Latino guy do well or Asian guy or Muslim guy or gay guy. He just said, young man, do well in what you're doing. Work hard at it. And uh, so that left uh, a significant impact on me. So when I started hearing more about Rush, my boss used to say, Rick, you need to get in the car and drive to Fresno. And I would say, oh, darn, I got to go to Fresno. That's a three and a half hour drive from Sacramento. But guess what? Rush Limbaugh was on the radio. So I would catch Rush for about 40 minutes in Sacramento, then switch to Rush in Stockton, switch to the, the radio station that Rush was on in Modesto, listen to Rush all throughout Madera County. And then by the time I got to Fresno, I had finished listening to the Rush Limbaugh show because it came on at nine o'clock on the West Coast. And Rush used to just tickle me with some of the stuff that he used to say. I mean, when he said ditto heads, and when he used to say feminazis, and he would just, I mean, he was like a political comedian to me in some respects, but in other respects, he was really giving me the economics knowledge that I did not learn in college. And he introduced me to this thing called conservatism. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a big conservative. Just to let you know, in between corporate America and the military, 
I was a big time San Francisco DJ in downtown San Francisco. In fact, I was a DJ at places where I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, our Vice President Camp Kamala Harris was in some of these places that I was DJing. I mean, it was upscale dis uh, uh, clubs in San Francisco, in Knob Hill. Now, I don't have any dirt or anything bad to say about Kamala Harris. I'm just letting you know, I probably saw her when I was a club DJ in San Francisco. So I was around people in San Francisco that did just about anything. They, were, they had very wild lifestyles. Uh, there were women that had wild lifestyles. There were men that had wild lifestyles. You know, I never was really caught up into that because part of that time I was still in the military. So I couldn't uh, engage in some of the stuff that I saw. But I'm just letting you know, I'm probably the realest person <laughs> that you would meet. So I don't really consider myself a conservative. I rather would call myself a capitalist. That's what I like. And, and Rush did talk about capitalism. He talked about it's the movement of products and services. And entrepreneurism is something that everyone ha has, has access to. Even people in other countries who come to America, the first thing they're looking for is not so much how to be on permanent uh, food stamps or permanent public assistance. They want to know how can they start a business. In fact, my, my daughter-in-law is from Uganda. And uh, I'm a grandfather now, about maybe a six-month-old grandfather. And her first thing is that she wants to get a job and 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 pat and take some exams, and you know work someplace so she can um, get stable here with my son and be a contributing person to the household. But she says ultimately she wants to own a business. This is a 28-year-old woman uh, from Uganda who grew up with a quarter of the stuff that most of us in America have, or less. You know, sharing a house with 10 with ten brothers and sisters. And my son went to Kenya a couple of times and he met his wife of almost two years now uh, in Uganda and he brought her over here and they got married. So I can say that I have a granddaughter who is a more authentic, who's a more authentic African-American African -American than most people. But back to Rush. Okay, so Rush really broke it down. He really uh, caused me to really look at things more deeply in, in terms of politics. And uh, he used to always talk about the deficit. He used to always talk about uh, wolves and sheep clothing. And that would be some of today's Republicans. And he was talking about how Democrats were never really interested in helping people. And particularly, he would talk about how Democrats used to use black people, uh, use black people for votes. And this last election, you probably probably saw some of that, although I will, I will say that uh, Donald Trump did extremely well in the black community and ex very, very well in the Latino community here in California. I will tell you, I met today, I met a guy named Fidel uh, a little south of uh, Sacramento, he's probably 60 years old. And he told me, he said, most of the Hispanic Mexican born friends that he has and relatives, they all voted for Donald Trump. And, you know, so there's a lot of people 
that uh, that liked uh, Donald Trump. But this podcast episode is about Rush Limbaugh. So he really broke it down how he said since 1972, blacks have been used by the Democrats like like old shoes. You know, every time a big vote comes up for the Congress or the presidency, they they dust off black voters, promise them the world, deliver nothing. And if they win in the Congress or if they win in the presidency, they put them back in the closet so they can gather dust. And I saw that so many times. In fact, when I was a kid, I recall when the welfare uh, programs were released in the inner cities and I spent out of my 18 years, I spent 16 of those years growing up in the inner city. And when my mom was on drugs and on food stamps, I got the, the big block of, of USDA cheese. I got the USDA butter. I got the, the can of, uh, what was in that can? Peanut butter. And I had to go to the store with those little uh, booklets of food stamps. When all of my friends on my block on 27th Avenue Northeast, they had a mom and dad, they ate dinner around five or six o'clock every day. I would, I would hear my, my friends say, hey Rick, I gotta go in the house, it's time for dinner. Well, not at my house, because my mom was out doing drugs and, 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 and scoring, you know, and selling drugs and, and doing whatever she used to do. So I was like the, the lone ranger in some of these uh, situations where my black friends had a mom and a dad that grew up in the house. So I saw the full effect of food stamps and the damage that it did to the black community. But uh, Rush Limbaugh, as he uh, became more pronounced, and I'll tell you, Rush Limbaugh got his start as a conservative commentator right here in Sacramento County. And then when he moved on to New York, and started broadcasting there. And the New Yorkers said, oh no, we can't have this guy right here. And New Yorkers said, oh no, we can't have this guy talking this stuff in Democrat, uh, uh, you know, a stronghold. So then he moved his operations to Palm Beach County. And, uh, you know, he was, he was just a force. But Rush used to tickle me when he used to use big words and he would say, for people who live in Rio Linda, this is what this word means or this phrase means. Now Rio Linda is about 15 miles west of me. And Rio Linda is really like a, a rural sort of country community. Um, I mean, I, I, in terms of Rio Linda getting the, uh, the, the heat from Rush, <laughs> Rio Linda didn't deserve it because a lot of people who live in Rio Linda were uh, military personnel who worked at the nearby uh, Air Force Base and it was mainly like farm country, but Rush used to tickle me when he used to talk about Rio Linda, because that's right here in Sacramento County. So again, when I was in corporate America, man, it was great to take those road trips because Rush Limbaugh used to lay it on the line and he used to pick at so many politicians. Uh, he used to pick on, what's that guy's name from, I think Vermont or something, I can't remember his name. But he talked about just about everybody. And as, as far as people saying Rush was a racist, come on. The, you know, Democrats have said far worse things than Rush has ever said. You know, you know, and here I am, a black guy paying tribute to Rush Limbaugh. 
Now, see, when people hear me talking about Rush Limbaugh, they sometimes they say, well, how can you as a black man talk good about Rush Limbaugh when he was so racist? Well, let me tell you something about people who, who, who think like that. You have to open yourself up to always feel that racism is coming your way to call everything racist. I'm serious. You know, I grew up in an all black, pretty much all black neighborhood, went to school in places where it was a mixed race sometimes. Um, and one of the things that I, I, I like about how I grew up and how I, ne I don't look at things as being racist is because in all the encounters I'd ha I had with different groups where I was part of the minority or sometimes I was part of, of the majority in terms of being black, in terms of being in the minority where I, where I was like maybe one of three black people and everybody else was either white or Cuban or, or, or whatever, I was always on top. Most of the time, I mean, you know, in school, even though my mom was doing drugs and she was a prostitute and I had a very uh, upsetting uh, teenage life, when it came time to take tests, I was always in the top three and often the number one uh, 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 person with the top grade. In the South, we call that a grade getter. But I learned long time ago that if you put the best effort out that you can, the effort will pay off. So I've never felt like I was less than anyone in my entire life. And I am not a, a light-skinned black guy. I'm a dark-skinned black guy. Uh, my father's side of the family is from Haiti. My uh, great-grandmother had three daughters with a Cuban guy. So my background is, a, of, uh, is black. But in terms of culturally, I have a lot of different cultures. And even my great-grandmother, she is the daughter of a black slave and a German guy. Uh, and if you saw my great-grandmother, she would pass for like a dark white lady with curly hair. And she was born, my great-grandmother was born in 1898. So I just wanted to do this tribute to Rush Limbaugh. Uh, in his later years, I was kind of busy, did a, didn't get a chance to listen to him as much as I wanted to. But Rush Limbaugh to me was one of the greatest people in my, uh, I would say my young adult to my, uh, you know, up until the time I was 50. So for 25 years, I believe Rush was on the air, 25 or 30 years. Uh, he made a significant impact on my life. And some of the things I do today in business, in my personal life, I owe it to Rush Limbaugh. And this is coming from a black man. So anyway, I want to thank you for listening to the Real People USA podcast. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, if you're a lefty or if you're a right, a right wing person, please email me at rpusa at protonmail.com. Make it a, a great day. Again, thanks for listening to this podcast episode. I just had a few minutes to record it. And I said I wanted to do something and pay tribute to Rush Limbaugh. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.